Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Hello. Hello and welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelorette Australia podcast that asks the question. Um, did I did I accidentally start some drama here? I don't I'm not sure I'm not sure if I understand what's I don't, I don't know. Are we testing out a Kurt voice? We are, yeah, I, I don't know if that's quite the Kurt voice, but it's kind of the Kurt voice. I think you're embodying the Kurt energy, even though I think maybe <laughs> yeah. the Kurt voice has a few less notes than you were hitting there. You're absolutely right. The Kurt voice is uh, reduced in the frequency spectrum. It hits at a certain certain amount of hertz. and uh, But what he gets done higher. with those oh, hertz? Oh, my God. You talk about the efficiency of this man. They're called Hurts, but it's nothing but yeah, pleasure to listen to Kurt. They're Kurt, aren't they're they? Kurt! Podcast is over. That's oh, we're it. Done. Wrap it up. We are done. This is the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Max Quinn is my name. Joining me as they always do, my favorite friend, Xavier RN. Hi, Xavier. Wow. Favorite. That's you a know. Uh, I can't believe it. You Thank you so much. No. Look, we are here to break down everything from week three of The Bachelorette. So, so much to get into, including... All the stuff that happened with Top Gun, Maverick, Luca, Zavi, any thoughts up the top? <laughs> I mean, I can't add more thoughts now to the amount of thoughts that I'm going to get into when we get into Fantastic. it. Fantastic. <laughs> we'll <laughs> be talking about that for a while. <laughs> you sent me uh, like a preemptive text being like, I just want to warn you that I've got a lot of things to say about Top Gun, Maverick. And right. I was like, bring it on. I would yeah. love to and hear I everything you And I think I sent you that text message about three days ago. Yeah. And in the time between then and now, I have come back to the oh, well. Oh, good. Like, You've only had more thoughts. Yeah. Like every night I'm like tossing and turning and I'm trying to get to sleep. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, still, I need to add more. Yeah. Yeah. Look, how can I top this top gun? Right. Uh, also, the return <laughs> of Steve Van Apper in Human Lie Detector. Is this The Bachelorette? <laughs> This is the craziest shit that I get to say in the intro. We're saying Top Gun Maverick. We're saying Steve Van Apper and Human Lie Detector. We're talking about love. Right, right. Love plays a distant third to those elements this week, I think. <laughs> I'm so happy that Steve Van Apper and the Human Lie Detector is back. I'm Me so too. happy that we get to see Steve Van Apper and the Human Lie Detector a lot of times on this podcast. <gasps> what a, what a um, I don't know, he's this transient figure in my life who I forget about for years on end, and then he pops up and I'm like, fuck yeah, Steve. Like, he's he the is- better Steve. Do you know what? He was on screen for 15 minutes. He's so much better than the other Steve that is in this series already. Oh, you would hate to be the existing Steve from this show and uh-huh. just get completely blown out of the water. You get obliterated by this returning Steve. My take on him is that he is like the ultimate comic book villain. Oh. He is like he is like the foil to anyone who comes on this show. He is like the one name you don't want to hear. And like every year or so he's broken out of Gotham Asylum again and he's I'm mm-hmm. oh, sorry, Arkham Asylum again, and he's like, you know, the ultimate threat. 
wouldn't have been Max able is to nodding tell the difference. like he knows definitely what that means. Definitely not. Listen, uh, we have so much to come here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. If you would like to join the conversation with us, the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group is where you can go to do so. We are on Facebook. We talk to you. Uh, you talk to us. You maybe even talk to some people who've been on the show. We have a lovely time, past guests of the podcast as well. I don't know if there's too much to say other than Xavi. I think it might be time for a Batch World catch-up. This past week saw the celebration of Melbourne Cup Day, well known as the race that stops the nation. And this year, as always, it seems to have stopped Bachelor Nation as well. Whether it's for their own reasons or at the behest of the network, Batchy stars cannot seem to get enough of the cup. This year, along with the usual cascade of ex-contestants posting snaps from their cup celebrations online, the event was also celebrated by none other than our current bachelorette, Brooke Blurton, who got dressed up in an Olia Loro Couture dress to attend Oaks Day at Flemington, and even dropped by the live broadcast on Channel 10 to be interviewed by someone I don't really know. The other person who interviewed Brooke Blurton was Rob Millsy Mills, <laughs> who, you will love this, Max, referred to Conrad from this season of The Bachelorette as Keith, live on air. Oh, I adore that. I, I actually thought you were going with uh, a young me, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Network 10 purchased the rights to broadcast the big race for $100 million in 2019. Actually, $100 million. $100 million. It really is. And while broadcast viewers have been decreasing, the network remains firmly focused on cross-promoting the event. You might remember a single date on Matt Agnew's season of The Bachelor. Yes, yes, that's right. We talked about this in your bedroom in Melbourne. We had a very good time. (laughs) That's right. Uh, This date, uh, you know, in which uh, future Bachelorette Ellie Miles... Uh, was taken to Flemington Racecourse. Um, this aired just after that acquisition was made. Uh, there's plenty more tie-in stuff that happens. Let's talk about the Melbourne Cup, Maxi. Uh, yeah, look, we love when some remorseless course scorchers endorse some horse torture. You know, it's really, really good. Mm. The Melbourne Cup is a celebration of gambling. Uh, Australians bet $21 billion on racing in 2019 to That's 2020. That's a lot of money. That's quite a bit. That's more mm. than I spend on hamburgers. Uh, <laughs> and I'm overweight uh, with hundreds of million. Well, I am a little, according to my doctor. But anyway, yeah. uh, with hundreds. Look, I mean, no judgment against myself or anybody yeah. else. <laughs> We're not going into that right now. <laughs> I don't have time to unpack that. Uh, hundreds of million dollars were bet on the Melbourne Cup. And while concerns about the notoriously unethical treatment of animals have seen the Cup's popularity fade in recent years... Uh, the past six years have seen seven horse deaths at the big race. Mm. Uh, and while many people have turned to online gambling in all its many forms, especially during the pandemic, thereby taking some of that money away from, I mean, is this better? I don't know. I guess like online gambling at least is like less bad for horses in particular. Yeah, because you're betting on man horses. <laughs> right. It's worth mentioning as well that The Bachelor and Bachelorette have become magnets for novelty betting as well. And we talk about this, you know, without much mm-hmm, thought, you know, mm-hmm. each season on our podcast, we casually mention the betting odds for our beloved game. Very true. It is estimated that 200,000 Australians have a high level problem with gambling, while up to twice as many more have difficulties at a lower level. Mm. You know, uh, it is not our intention when we talk about these things to uh, to endorse uh, that, that uh, uh, 
industry, you know? No, of course, of course. So, uh, look, I'll put my hand up and say I'm one of these people. I don't bet on the horsies, never on the horsies, but mm. certainly when it comes to sports, particularly in Australia, that take place overseas, and sometimes it works out, and it's fun on a night, and that's enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think it is possible, broadly speaking, to recreationally gamble without it causing serious ill effects or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. let me say that I've seen friends who are just down that wormhole and it is so deep and disturbing that it's it's like when you see one of your friends who might be too far gone with something like alcohol or, you know, mm. whatever it happens to be, whatever their proclivity happens to you be. Cheeseburgers. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, look, I absolutely appreciate the idea that everything can and maybe should exist in moderation. But at the same time, we're sitting here and saying, look, probably not probably not the whipping of the, the animals. So, I mean, I don't know. It shouldn't surprise anybody that we're against the Melbourne Cup on this podcast. I think we've talked nope. about it enough, and I think it's probably pretty obvious. But That uh, is enough. That is enough, yes. Uh, here is story number two, the final story for this week in whatever we call it, Batch World Catch-Up. Bella Varellis. Oh, I remember Previous runner-up of The Bachelor found a nail in some salmon that she bought at a supermarket. Oh, Jesus. What kind of nail? Finger, Human fingernail? Or no, like the, the other Bunnings kind. nail. Yeah, Bunnings nail. Oh, jeez. No further info. <laughs> That's not, it's not been a big news week, like I said. <laughs> she was upset. I would be too. <laughs> mm, mm. And when all you've got is a salmon with a piece of a nail in it, everything looks like a, a hammer with a bit of salmon or do you remember when I said I had something? <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, we edit this podcast. It's going well, listeners. And now <laughs> it sure is time to move into our recap of The Bachelor. Are we going to move into Australia. it? Oh, do you know what? We're going to pack up our little uh, boxes. What are we going to do? We're going to we're gonna uh, call, uh, let me think of the name of a moving company. We're going to talk to Canards. Oh, look, I'm going to dip my toes. What about that? Well, yeah, that makes a bit more sense. I thought mm-hmm. for, for a moment you were going to get out some, uh, you know, some of those little uh, port, like portable, like, uh, <laughs> I haven't moved house in a couple of years. This used to be like, this it used to be second nature to me. What are those boxes called where you can hang up a thing in it? There's a name for it. Oh, yeah. I don't know what those are called. Oh, well, okay. Well, the podcast's over, like we mentioned at the start. <laughs> this is all bonus features for the Blu-ray. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, folks, do you know what? I have a news. Oh, really? Yes. This is great. Okay, go for it. Okay, here we go. Before we dive deep into the new episode recap, here's what I want to say. Mm-hmm. Bachelor of Hearts, Jingle Off. What do you think about this? Here's the idea. For the finale episode, if you have a jingle about anything that has happened this season, you know that we are fond and familiar of them here on the BOH pod. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. Xavier, what's the email address that the nice people can send their various jingles to? We are at bohpod at gmail.com. There you as go. long as it's like under 10 megabytes. Yeah, look, just send it through. Uh, under 10 megs would be preferable, but but whatever. We can edit it into the podcast. That oh, we no, play. I just, I think Gmail won't let you have longer, oh, uh, you know, bigger send than us that. Send a wee transfer. If you're like, if you're Honestly, out there and you're like, I've got a WAV, yeah. fucking send it this way. If you want to send us the stems, we'll mix it, we'll master it. 100%. This is what I, <laughs> this is what I do and have done for a living for a long time. Let's go. The more effort and energy that you can put into this thing. I mean, you've heard this podcast. Yeah, a lot of energy. But yeah, lot we want to do this for the finale episode. We we will t- we'll play as many as we get, I guess. Mm. Uh, I think it'll be fun. They're always long anyway, so we might as well just make it longer, right? Fully. This is it, and, you know? 
we'll probably add some of our own as well. I'm guessing. Of course. Yeah, we are uh, super ready for the Bachelor of Hearts finale coming up in a couple of weeks of Brooke Blurton's <laughs> we Bachelorette season. <laughs> we, we don't know no when that is. We have no idea yeah. how long the season is. Xavier, I don't know. I don't know if there's too much else to do, but dive deep. Into the Bachelorette Australia season seven, episode five. Vroom, vroom. Bitches know they can't catch Brooke Blurton. <laughs> As she drives down the road in a vintage grey Porsche with a number plate 35.6 with two X's. I was trying to work out if that's funny. Hmm. I think maybe it's not. Uh, whilst her narration tells us that she has picked Luca for today's date. Ooh. Mm-mm. Yeah. Like Luca, Luca, mixed feelings. Where's the Halloween about? episode. Come on. <laughs> Where is it? We've released it. Come it's on. great. Come People on. loved it. <laughs> Brooke steps out of the car in cool shades and an impossibly rad military jacket with a woolen collar and B. Blurton embroidered on the chest. I cannot tell you how much I want this jacket. I would literally pay hundreds of dollars for a version of this jacket that was large enough to fit my gigantic cheeseburger body. (laughs) As long as the zippers were of decent quality. You know, I'm not Mm. crazy, but... Uh, Brooke tells us in ITM that today's date is a Top Gun themed date. Why? (laughs) Well, it's one of the sponsors of this season of the show. Why? That is a bigger question. We may may get into the Top Gun stuff a bit more. Uh, She says, Top Gun is a very cool movie. It's about, (laughs) it's great. It's about jets, planes, military. Brooke Blurton, our bachelorette, has, of course, never seen the movie Top Gun. <laughs> Brooke Blurton has got better things to do than to watch the movie Top Gun. Max, I'm going to go out on a big limb here and say you probably haven't seen Top Gun. I can either. tell you that I've not seen Top Gun, but I know that Tom Cruise is in it. Okay. All right. That's excellent. I have seen the movie Top Gun a few times, including once specifically as research for this particular oh, podcast Jesus. episode. Excellent. I'm so glad you did this. But I did not have to rewatch Top Gun to be able to tell you with 100% certainty what every single person who has ever seen Top Gun remembers about Top Gun. And as much as these things are present in the movie, it is not jets or planes or military. Is it the, do I take those old records off the shelf? Is Different the Tom Cruise movie. Different Tom Cruise movie. Oh, damn it. Continue. That's Cocktail. Um, wait, no, it's not. What is it? Fuck. Now I need to know. Tom Cruise, um, all all time rock and roll. It's from the movie Risky, Risky Business. Business. I'm giving up my cinephile card because <laughs> I didn't know that. Um, no, the thing that everybody remembers about Top Gun, whether they've even seen Top Gun or not, is that almost every frame of the movie Top Gun pulses with an undeniable homoerotic energy. Oh, Top Gun lovingly portrays the oiled, muscular midsections of its male cast as they engage in a beach volleyball game set to Kenny Loggins playing with the boys. Its lingering gaze tracks the bodies of its leading men and equally chiselled tertiary characters in its locker rooms and showers. We We certainly do. We do. We love it to death. In the commentary on the physical releases of Top Gun, director Tony Scott says that he found inspiration in a book of black and white photos by gay photographer Bruce Weber, Weber, copying haircuts, styles, and aesthetics to form the backbone of the film. 
Critic Pauline Kael, upon its release, called the movie, quote, a shiny homoerotic commercial. In the 1994 dramedy Sleep With Me, director Quentin Tarantino has a cameo in which he describes Top Gun as, quote, a story about a man's struggle with his own sexuality. (laughs) It was very cool in the 1990s to have some kind of postmodern critique ready to go about some beloved pop cultural phenomenon. Mm Mm-hmm. You only need to watch basically any Kevin Smith movie for an example of that. Oh, my God. Dogma. Was, yeah. What a film. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. But which which one is the one that Dogma... Is that the Star Wars conversation? Is that the... Uh, all kinds of conversations with Dogma. Yeah. I mean, fucking religion. Do you want to start there? Sure. Yes. Uh, it was equally cool in the 1990s to assume that any piece of media or environment or anything else in which a group of men are intimately close with each other is, quote, secretly gay. Mm. So obviously oh. I... Oh, this is... um. You can be my wingman anytime. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I understand where they're going with this. Obviously, I think that the Top Gun discussion doesn't end at, like, it's a gay text because the mostly male cast make more gay jokes than you would expect them to, and... They're not even wearing shirts a lot of the time and some of them have mustaches. Yeah, yeah. It's like a postmodern reading of football. Do you know what I mean? Like people are like, well, sure. they, these men tackle each other and they fucking get their bodies together. You, same thing. Yeah. I think if those are the signifiers that you're looking for, then you will find more of them in Top Gun than a lot of other movies, sure. um, particularly of that era and of, of that sort of demographic or whatever, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is interesting, though. Given this part of Top Gun's history and its place within the cultural context, to see how it is used here within the Bachelor franchise. Top Gun is a film that, in many people's interpretations, is designed to be so heterosexual that it accidentally came out the other side as an (laughs) alternate gay text. The Bachelor, the Bachelor franchise, Mm. has got two decades worth of heterosexual nonsense to contend with. And then in this, in its first season with an openly queer lead and mixed gender dating pool, one of the sponsors and partners of the show is the forthcoming Top Gun Maverick. Mm. I'm personally quite curious as to how the forthcoming Top Gun sequel, which was originally set for release in 2019. You can tell that this was supposed to also come out this year, right? I think so, yeah. Why would Uh, they do a Top Gun Maverick in fucking September October, November 2021, when the film's not released until midway through 2022. It was clearly supposed to come out this year. Yeah, I I almost feel like they could have just done it on Bachelor next year. Uh, Absolutely. And they have the perfect... Jimmy Nicholson is just like shaking his fist. (laughs) Of course. It's interesting to see how the sequel is going to handle this discourse that has followed the original film for many years. Yeah. Um, Whether it will, you know, talk about the... Or, you know, engage with that discourse at all uh, is kind of up in the air. So Mm. (laughs) I'm funny. Uh, Perhaps this date gives us a little bit of indication. I think it's very interesting that the scheduled Top Gun Maverick date, which had to happen at some point on this season due to the, you know, relationship and agreement that have been Mm -hmm. made. It coincides with the arrival of newcomer Luca and that Luca is the one who is picked to go on the date. Okay. So we talking here... That Luca is kind of like broy, and so we want to cast the broy dude as the guy who gets to fly the awesome space plane. Right. I. I mean, yeah. I. I feel like there are a hundred reasons why this might be the case. Um. I wonder whether even just on the most basic level, 
the film's distributors wanted to make sure that there was a man there as opposed to oh. two women. Okay. Well, I mean, not even as opposed to two women, but just like make sure there is a man present so mm. as to more directly appeal to the potential male audience of the movie, right? I Yeah, okay, I'm with you. And then I also wonder, is having Brooke, the Bachelorette, you know, to take a man on the date, is that an attempt to subvert the narrative of Top Gun as a queer movie? Now, here's what I think happened. I reckon this was a date for Jimmy's season. I reckon mm. it got pushed back. And they were like, we'll have to do it for Brooke's season. Yeah. Okay, yeah. sounds fantastic. Then, after they've shot the date, the movie's not now coming out until 2022. So the Bachelorette is just kind of like, well, this is what we've got so to do. Let's just air it. Yeah. yeah. Does this change what oh, you hold just... On. Danny's just come into the room and said, that's not why. No. What would happen is that people at the top would have said to every single show, you've got to work in a mention of the Top Gun film. Mm. And then they would be left to make it happen. And no one there wants to be doing that. Okay. You're kind of mm. like, how do we make this look seamless in this show? Yeah, it's anyway. not seamless. Just thought I'd weigh in. There. Thank you for weighing in. Look, I, I love it when my fiance Daddy walks in and makes me stop looking stupid. <laughs> and she also can't hear you. No, you in any way. What I'm saying. <laughs> you look great. was basically you. agreeing with everything that you said. Of course. <laughs> so I wonder if this will change what you are saying about this, the timing of this date. Please continue. I'd love because to I, I wrote a lot of stuff about this Top Gun Maverick date because I wanted to make sure that I was giving the appropriate context. And I actually have some more, but um, I did all that. And then I sat down to watch the most recent episode of the current season of The Bachelorette US, which also had a Top Gun Maverick date this oh. exact week where they trotted oh. out Jay Ellis and Glenn Powell, who are two actors from the new movie to inspire all of the men and help Michelle pick one Maverick for some alone time. Oh, this changes everything. Another potential reason why I think Luca might have been picked is that Luca is, would, would you agree with the statement that Luca is ostensibly the villain of at least the past couple of episodes so of this far, season? Yes, I think so. Like, the the fact of the matter is that intruders are villainous yes, inherently. Being, like the other cast will get to it, are referring to themselves as OGs, which yeah. makes me want to vom. But at the same time, he is Luca, and he definitely does not fit in with the the mold that has been crafted for the rest of the characters of of this season. Yeah, and of of all of the newcomers, he is the one who's being singled out as being the most, you know, not there for the right reasons or, you know, the most unkind to the others or whatever it is. That's the one. So I wonder whether if we are to follow the narrative through, does he stand in for Val Kilmer's Iceman, the de facto antagonist of Top Gun, who Quentin Tarantino in that same clip argues is, quote, gay, representing the gay man and telling... Maverick to go the gay way, be the gay way, unquote. Oh my it, God. He's got an interesting, he's got an interesting angle in this, but this is okay. kind of the idea of this critique or this, uh, this postmodern reading or whatever. We're three minutes into the episode. I do need to, <laughs> I'm getting bogged yeah. down. In. Yeah. So Brooke says, I'm looking for my Top Gun, my Maverick, someone who's got my back a hundred percent. And you I don't understand. I need to, I need to explain the context of my Top Gun, my Maverick, because are they two different characters in the movie? Because there's also someone called Goose. Yeah, um, I will. I will explain. <laughs> yeah, thank you. That would be great, please. Maverick, 
I believe she is just using these words as like marketing buzzwords. I, I don't see. think that she really knows exactly, you know, uh, uh, a Top Gun. I mean, Top Gun is the name of the like m- the naval class that they all belong to. Okay. Uh, and it also implies like being the best or whatever. And Maverick is the call sign of Tom Cruise's character. So that's his like oh. cute nickname, right? Cool, but cool, like, cool. So she's like, I need someone to be my Top Gun. I need someone to be my Maverick. I need someone to be my SEAL Team 6. Is that right? Basically, I, I guess so. Be my private Ryan. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are all definitely movies. Great. Um, but but like, if she is, if she is using the character name, right? If she, yeah. let's let's follow this through. To its I need someone to be my hero, the hero to my Hogan. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Stop trying to make this podcast funny. How dare you? So if Luca, if Brooke is saying that Luca is Maverick, what does that make her, Charlie? Charlie doesn't even come back in the sequel. She's not in oh, the new no. one. And is she Goose? Goose fucking dies. Okay. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. So they drive onto the tarmac of Camden Airport where there are two fighter jets waiting for them. And Brooke ITMs, this is a huge out of my comfort zone. I love fast things like the faster the better. This is not a car though. This is a military fighter jet. And here I am literally cacking my Dax. <laughs> it's an incredible... <laughs> Brooke, I love you, and you're trying so hard. Yeah, yeah. So they need to come up with call sign nicknames for each other, like Maverick, like Goose, mm-hmm, like Iceman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Brooke picks BB, like BB Gun. It's kind of, that's pretty good. Love that. And Lucas squares off to Brooke, and he looks right into her eyes, and he says in this exact phrase, I would like for you to refer to me as Gladiator. <laughs> He's just such a strange man. <laughs> this is so funny. Like, and, and what so, type of, do you know, Gladiator, there were so many different cool Gladiators. Do you remember Taipan? What a cool Gladiator Taipan was, and what a nice Gladiator name. You can't just take the proprietary <laughs> noun for the entire franchise right. and be like, that's what I'll be. You're it's like, as if he is doing a movie reference to the movie Gladiator with yeah, Russell Crowe, but yeah. he thinks, because he also hasn't seen that movie, he thinks that <laughs> Russell Crowe plays a character called Gladiator. <laughs> I'll be called... Uh, now, Russell, I'd actually know what Russell Crowe's character name is in, in The Gladiator. Oh, I love this. <sighs> you can do it. Max Nation. <laughs> That's the one! Yes. I think it's Maximus Nation. Maximus Nation. Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yep. So they strap into their separate planes and they zoom around for a bit. I don't know. It goes pretty much exactly how it went when Matt Agnew took Monique Morley out for a zoom zoom in season seven, episode I remember this. four. Yep. This was the dog gun episode. Right. That's true. Um, and every frame of this group date, I'm sorry, every frame of this date has at least one, if not more, instances of Air Combat's URL plastered on screen because they have also sponsored this date. This I love. This is some extremely subtle sponsored content. Extremely, extremely subtle. And so they do some loop-de-loops. Luca waves at Brooke from the other plane. Brooke is unbelievably impressed with him. I just want to share with you what happens on the US Bachelorette date that also happened this week. Before we do this, can I just ask, right? Mm -hmm. Luca's not doing any loop-de-loops. I want to make that really clear. That's extremely true. He is absolutely doing very little. He's sitting in a chair. He's sitting in the back seat of a plane (laughs) in which some other man... Daddy's Some driving him around. Titled Maverick is doing loop de loops. 
<laughs> You're right. I didn't make that clear, and it's true. He didn't. He. They don't have he did piloting not magically skills. learn to fly a plane. No, no. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh. But on the on the U.S. Bachelorette episode that I was talking about before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, here's how it starts: the men give each other cheeky call sign nicknames as a sort of like a, you know. So th- here's the difference, right? Is that um, Michelle is there with a bunch of dudes? It is yes. a group date as opposed to a single date. But we begin with everybody coming up with cheeky call sign nicknames for each other as like a little bit of a low stakes. So they're kind of winking at it. Yeah. Right. And then they get strapped one by one into, quote, a G-Force simulator, which is like one of those things that whirls you around. Mm -hmm. And then they, quote, compete in dogfighting, which (laughs) seems to just be regular fighting. Uh, They're holding like big padded poles like on American gladiators and they're whacking each other really hard with it. Mm -hmm. And then the guy, here's another parallel. The guy who ends up winning gets to drive off with the Bachelorette in a cool vintage gray car which is apparently featured in the movie. Right. Exact same way that they entered this date. And then mm-hmm. he is also given a sweet bomber jacket with a rose embroidered on it that looks almost cool. identical. It's so crazy. Like, they have matched these dates so close to each other. I want to say also that this bomber jacket, I would literally pay hundreds of dollars for a version of it that was large enough to fit my gigantic cheeseburger body, as long as the zippers were of pretty good quality. Yep, yep, I've heard about this. Uh, back at the mansion, a group date card <laughs> arrives to be read by Carissa. David asks Carissa whether or not she wants to be included in the group date. David, come on. You got to ask better questions. Well, I think producers Brooke's have a very told smart them. woman. You're not going to ask Brooke questions like this. <laughs> no, that's true. I think producers have been like, uh, can you, uh, David, you're, 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 you're our friend. We're giving you the little inside space to have your conversation with Brooke. Uh, why don't you scratch out back for a change? Ask you is, uh, can you, can you get Carissa to, to start talking about how she didn't get the single date? She didn't get time with Brooke at the cocktail party. Mm. She really needs to make a count. Let's build this story. This line. really feels like take two or three of this scene, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're not doing the date cards that much because they just feel so forced every oh, time. Oh, now Oshi tweeted about this. It's because he can't come into the space, so he, for COVID reasons, can't come into the space where they're all shooting for uh, what because of whatever. Well, who says it has to be him? Oh, I don't know. I'd look, when is it I, ever actually really him anyway? This is true, but they look, just plant one there, right? I don't know. I don't know how it works in this day and age. What is a date card? It's just. I mean. Um, what is a date card is a great question. Who could say? Um, anyway, Luca and Brooke settle down at a batchy couch where Brooke admits she doesn't know much about him. She's like, well, I took you on the single date the first chance that I got, but I don't yep. know who you are. This is the second day that we have interacted. Right. Brooke asks, are you a fierce competitor? And Luca says, I fight for what I love. I do that Christ. with my family. I do that with my jujitsu and my sport. If I get a silver or a bronze medal, I am so angry. So if I don't go away with the gold, I'm actually going to sook for like three days until I'm ready for the next one. Settle down, Maximus. <laughs> Brooke, know, like, like Jim Carrey wasn't... Not Jim Carrey. Who's the other guy who was in Braveheart? Mel Gibson. <laughs> yeah, Mel Gibson. Wasn't like... This is to defend the country of Ireland or Scotland or whatever it was. <laughs> he sure and- wasn't. Another thing, if we don't get it, let's sook for three days. 
I just feel like, you know, this is a big red flag for somebody that you want to get in a relationship with. This sucks. It's so bad. Brooke is unfazed. She's giggling with delight. Um, And, uh, you know, Lucas says, I think that I do that with everything in life, making it clear that it's not just about jujitsu, but he actually is, you know, a big, like, on some level, I respect it. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that, he is just openly admitting that he's a big, stupid baby who cries whenever he doesn't get his way. But I don't think he realizes that it's not good. Yeah, he doesn't it's not realize. Very becoming. Yeah, look, and I want to give uh, bo botd the botd to to Brooke here. I want to give the botd to Brooke here. What's that again? The benefit of the doubt. I got it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Um, and I want to say that instead of giggling with delight, I feel like she's giggling with polite. Oh yeah, I understand. Yeah, I, I no, believe I mean. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like there's a certain amount of um, when a man says, "Ah, do you know what sucks when I don't win, and then I become really hostile and aggressive," and you're like, "Ah ha ha, okay, all right, yeah, sounds- yeah." But the fact that she goes along with Luca, Luca, no, you know. look, what are you supposed to do? You're the lead on a TV show. I'm, I feel mm. like I'm stepping out to to really um make myself uh. I feel like I'm really stepping out in defense of Brooke here, and I don't know that I need to, but in mm. this case, I feel like she is playing the role of the Bachelorette rather than being what I would consider to be the reflection of the person that we have seen yeah. on the show and on the internet since the show. Yeah, I, I, I hear you, although I, in, I I hope that you enjoy the rest of my recap, recap in which I don't, <laughs> I don't agree with you. Luca, I mean, look, yes, I, I agree with you. Luca is like sweet-talking Brooke. Uh, he says, you seem very genuine and honest and obviously very pretty. You just tick all the boxes. And Brooke's like, oh, well, what are your boxes? And Luca says, you. Yeah, oh, I hate it. It's don't so call bad. a woman a box. You no, don't want to call a woman no, 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 a box. No, all of this stuff is really bad. Brooke's not a box. Uh, but she continues to be very impressed. She says, I really like you. I think you're really cool. Oh, my God. I sound like a teenager. She pulls out a rose and offers it to him and they share a kiss. And Luca ITMs, I'm feeling on top of the world right now. Uh, Bro, you're the plane. You, you, you just were like airplane. You would do. I mean, look, some I like famous most like plane and music is my air is my airplane. Let's keep going. I was waiting for Luca to tell us about the food that he had on the plane after this line because <laughs> he's funny. <laughs> no, look, what I um will have to say and will continue to have to say by the sounds of it is like. Firstly, we're seeing this through the lens of a show that is constructed and the show is making it out to seem like Luca is a bad dude and maybe yeah. Luca is a bad dude and based on what has been presented, there are certainly some things to pick apart there, but probably I would guess there are also some things that Brooke is impressed with. I find it hard to imagine that Luca is as bad of a dude as he seems like he is yeah, on this show. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Uh, although, I, you know, give it a week. I Look, could be give it a week, but we're here to talk about the characters and how the show <laughs> right. is presented. And that's what we do here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. Join us on the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook if you'd like to continue the conversation. Five stars on iTunes. We need a five stars on iTunes, like, jingle. Yeah, we should have one. You know, on, like, old radio shows where they'd be like, five stars on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> this time on the Bachelor of Hearts <laughs> Uh, let's have a group date. Brooke speaks a little bit about the virtues of exercise to benefit your mental health. Good shit, which Brooke. It's fucking good shit. And of course, it means it's time to watch everybody do a fucking tough mutter course. <laughs> <laughs> but before you do each obstacle, you have to answer a compatibility question. Brooke will pick one person from the winning team to spend time with. Mm. And handsome himbo Kurt 
is the real star of this segment. He narrates a lot I of it. I love Kurt. I yeah. really oh, have come right God. around to Kurt. Can we just talk briefly about it's how- It's not necessarily that I wasn't on board with Kurt, but I have come so, so far. I think this is a big week for Kurt, though. Yeah. I think Kurt has ascended from like a charming background character into like someone I would be willing to start a religion around. Like, yes. I feel like Kurt <laughs> glows and radiates with so much like purity and positivity oh, and like- yeah. He has just distilled ignorance is bliss and like he is a tranquil and happy person who I love I love everything about the way that he gets around in the world. Whenever he it seems like speaks, he's just like Yes, exactly. Whenever, You're just like, there's no filter here. This yeah. just seems to be the way that it presents to you, and you are articulating that in the words that you use. Right. You know Whenever how, he's on screen, you can excellent. see the breeze like blowing through his hair softly. You know, he's it's just like really lovely. Yeah, he feels like so. I don't know why he feels so like in tune with his environment and like resonating on the same frequency as Mother Earth. Like, it is. It is just unconscious consciousness. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like this is a person who is not thinking about how he's getting around in the world. He just is, and that right. is fucking the most namaste that. Yeah, I could it's like think he, of. he doesn't even. He doesn't even meditate. He just he always he just is. is in a state a state of meditation. Or oh, I so admire it. I think it's beautiful. Me too. And I, like we're 10% joking, but like truly there is there is an interesting oh, model I'm, of masculinity here. Like yeah, yeah, this I is, totally agree. This is yeah. enviousness yeah, that I'm yeah. that I'm experiencing more than anything. Yeah. I think if it sounds like we're joking, it's because we're trying to explain it and words like all I'm comfortable doing is making jokes about stuff, but I'm like, I want what he's having, you know? A hundred percent, right? Like this man just gets around and just exists, and that is the coolest shit. Yeah. Um, so Kurt is narrating a lot of this, um, which will help set up what's going to come later and his slightly drawling voice, which is, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense at all, um, tells us I've been on four group dates now, so I've seen a lot of sides to Brooke. So I think that can work in my favor as well today. The teams are split into the four intruders who call themselves the underdogs and then David, Holly, Kurt, and Steve who incessantly call themselves the OGs. When I think of these four housemates on The Bachelorette in 2021, I definitely think of Ice-T and his 1991 hit OG Original Gangster. <laughs> That's what I think of. Yeah, for sure. For me, I think of Iceman from uh, from Top Gun, but right. uh, yeah, <laughs> maybe that's just Good. Because <laughs> I think the phrase maybe originates with like the crips i believe yeah it does. and like i'm yeah, yeah, yeah. wading way out of my territory here by talking about this but like this is what i could find out when i had a brief look i think maybe there is some earlier history of the phrase that we don't really know about but it's like traced back to there but it's certainly not like uh like i mean it is just one of any number of like hundreds of thousands of phrases that were coined by black people and like uh, co-opted by like white people to seem cool, right? Like that's that's the vibe we're talking about, right? Yes, yes, exactly. And funnily enough, in a manner which I have to say is a little bit evocative of Top Gun, there is some real focus on male shirtlessness in this segment. Um, Steve, who has always been on this show, uh, has finally figured out a way to capture the camera's attention by displaying his finely toned abs. Really? A move which is then copied by Luca and Max. Do you remember the name of the fucking mustache, dude? Uh, it's Will. 
That's right. It's Will. Thank you. Uh, the other focus here is smooth-brained King Kurt somehow knowing more about Brooke than anybody else. And in his perfect monotone, he says things like, the team thinks the answer is movies on the couch. I didn't really think that was the right answer. You know, I'm thinking in my head that it's sleeping in. We get to the next question, and I am very firm on the answer being going to the beach. The team decides to go with another different answer to what I said. I love him. It's so blissful just listening the way to that, him. The way that he articulates that is just so pristine. Yeah. There's no filter. He's the best. He's the best. He's so good. I thought this was a pretty enjoyable, if kind of generic, group date. I didn't take note of everything that we learned about Brooke in the compatibility questions, um, but I do think it was slightly more than usual. Um, yeah. Like, it was a little bit more in-depth. And also, just I want to applaud them, applaud them for any time that the focus isn't just completely on athletic ability. Like, that alone makes it a slightly above average group date for me. Yeah, the things that make Survivor and the challenge compelling are that, that after they do the physical thing, they have to solve a puzzle. And so mm. any attempt that the Bachelor or Bachelorette franchises can make to make the contestants kind of solve a puzzle as while they're doing their big feat of physical strength, I think will result in something cool. Yeah, and I think that in separating this type of activity from something like Survivor by making it more relationship-based or whatever, which... Mm. You know, that's an aspect of the Survivor game, obviously. But, you know, the, the, the goal is different in the sense that the goal of Survivor is to win. Whereas the goal of Bachelor, Bachelorette or whatever, they have to pretend it is not to win. And instead yeah. it is to find love, um, which is part of it. I don't want people to think that I don't think that there it is possible to fall in love on this show. Oh, no, I think it definitely is. Yeah, it's it's absolutely possible. It is like, you know, it, it has happened. It will happen again. Um but it is not the only thing motivating every single one of the players, which is what the kayfabe suggests, you know? Anyway, uh, the OGs. No, the OGs. The OGs, Louise. Mm. You had the best tweet about it. I just stole the joke. Um, They end up winning by 34 seconds, and so Brooke chooses Kurt for the extra time. Who ITMs, I'm ecstatic. I think it's the biggest smile I've ever produced in my life. So Kurt and Brooke sit at a batchy couch. They crack some beers generously provided by Pure Blonde, a sponsor which has been with the shows for, like, for years at this yeah. point. Um, Brooke rewards Kurt for paying attention to her and asks why this beautiful, fit, handsome athlete is looking for a serious relationship. And in a whispery voice... And like, this is him getting vulnerable. He says, I'm 29. Like I'm at a stage where I'm ready to share some experiences with someone else. I like a lot of the things that you stand for. You seem really passionate about what you do. You seem fun, adventurous, energetic, and a little bit cheeky. The way you carry yourself and the way you treat other people and how you're always smiling. And while this is happening, I mean, this is incredible. Could Could not be better. And while this is happening, Brooke ITMs that she just wants to kiss. And like, <laughs> it is almost implying that he is talking too much or that she would rather he stop. And I'm like, let this man have as much camera time as possible. <laughs> they play the like pizzicato strings that imply that he's a bit of a space cadet. Even though I think this is like an incredible moment from Kurt. Like I really this is like really this. lovely. It's a beautiful profession of honesty. Yeah. But then he burps. Which can can spoil the mood. 
a beautiful profession of honesty, as I said. <laughs> He's, I can't believe he got a job as a burper, but it is a noble profession of honesty. <laughs> uh, they both laugh it off, and eventually Brooke just has to straight up tell him, I'd like a kiss right now. And he goes, oh, yeah, we can kiss. And then they do. And Brooke says it's really good. And I think it was, from what I could tell. I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. I was putting my lips as close to the screen as I could get. But... <laughs> she pulls out a rose and gives it to him, and they kiss again. Kurt ITMs. You know, it's the first time we've ever really had time together, but I could almost see myself falling for her pretty hard pretty soon. Cute. I- I'm just stoked I got the rose, and I don't think I'll be sleeping much tonight. I might go home and do a gym workout or something or run off some of this wild energy. <laughs> wild energy his adjectives and his adverb when he says that he produces a smile yeah yeah i don't know give me access to this man's vocabulary truly though like i don't know you know he was he was right i would love to meet his parents and shake their hand you know like just see what they're up to as well what words do they use i don't want to like uh exoticize this man too much or whatever i just think it's like I'm just, yeah, I don't know. You're just I'm just baffled to see a nice man on the television. It's true. It's true. That's not to be as exoticized. It's to be, you know, held up and put on the pedestal that it deserves. Right. Right. So at the cocktail party, uh, gathered around a fire pit with six other people, Carissa says she hasn't spoken to Brooke in a while and she's struggling hearing about everybody else's time with her. Oh, Riss, Riss. <laughs> Riss, um, in VO we hear her say I haven't talked to her in over a week And I'm not sure my connection with Brooke Will be able to develop in this situation Tej says This is the first time I've ever seen Carissa anxious Which makes sense Because Tej wasn't at the previous cocktail party Where she was absolutely freaking out For no fucking reason Incidentally Also the first time I've seen Tej in a while And the yeah, only I was just thinking She seems great Where is Bring her back to paradise When that happens Yeah I, I, I like Tej I don't know yeah. why I like Tej But I do There's just something um, there That just feels accessible There was something On like night one or something Where she like helped Put she helped cushions on the table the cushions. Yeah yeah There's just something about her That seems nice That's all it takes for me It's a low bar uh, Carissa says It's just hard to be in the moment And have fun When I just have this thing In my mind That I want to speak to her about I just really need to get this off my chest. Carissa gets her time with Brooke at an indoor location. Brooke can clearly tell that something's up. And Carissa asks if they can hold hands while she tells her that she's not sure she can do this. Brooke leads with empathy. She says, I can totally understand and resonate with that feeling. It's awkward, right? It's a very unusual feeling. Carissa tells Brooke, I just can't fall in love this way. I just can't do it like this. Brooke says, I did honestly think that we had a lot of potential and I wanted to get to know you. I think you are a really beautiful person. You're really special. I'm really happy with that connection. But if it's not for you and this environment is not for you, I can't force you to be here. Then riss off. (laughs) (laughs) What do we think about this? I, I... Um, ask you this and then I say it anyway what I think about this uh, I want to sympathize with Carissa because I don't think anybody would do this if they weren't having a hard time yeah but I also think that self-eliminating is maybe the number one th- worst thing that you can do if you're on this show 
because you become a villain and you rob yourself of potential future opportunities and you open yourself up to the mercy of the editors. Right. And especially if you do it in a way like this, where she is salting the earth behind her yeah. and saying she can't do it like this. Couldn't possibly fall in love in this environment. So therefore couldn't possibly get invited to paradise or come back on another season or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah. Like I get, you know, maybe it's just not for you and that's a convenient excuse or something. But even then, I'm just like, why wouldn't you just stick around and see what happens? Yeah. You've probably already taken the time off work, like paid your rent or whatever anyway. Like, I even think like going out in a blaze of glory may- might be better for you in the long run. Because at least totally. like, if yes. you if you like smash all the glasses in the house, as we've been talking about as my mm-hmm. number one strategy. But like, you know, if you cause a big scene or whatever... You are bound to get more attention. You're bound to get more Instagram followers. You're bound to get more Daily Mail articles about you in a couple of years' time. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the idea of this is you get a better breed of Instagram follower from leaving for the right reasons, you know? Oh, it's about quality and not quantity. Yeah. like Interesting. Or maybe she does want... Maybe she's trying to play this deftly enough that... She can't fall in love in this environment, but the environment she would be able to do is paradise or if she were the lead of Bachelorette or something. Like, she's trying to leverage it that way. Yeah, I don't know. She seems like this sort of person to me, though, based on what we heard from her on night one about her parents and about uh, what happened in the the previous week where her and Brooke had her alone time. She just feels like a very, like, follow her instincts kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so when I think that she says... uh, um. Or, or so when she says, "I have to leave the house. I can't fall in love in this environment." I kind of feel like that's in- instinct. I kind of feel like that's instinct speaking, rather than any amount of thoughtfulness about like future opportunities. Yeah. And for that reason, I really respect the choice that has been made. Yeah, I admire that. I I, I almost feel like I need to uh, appreciate it while it's still here because I feel like as time goes on, the show becomes more and more of like a professional endeavor. Absolutely. And I yeah. feel like people like this or behavior like this will become less rare, um, more rare, sorry. Right, right. And we should make mention that we are making history here. This is the first <laughs> queer bachelorette. And look, I didn't know it's that. not lost on me that this is the first queer cast and maybe they're experiencing things that people who have been on the bachelorette franchise before uh, want to just push through because they know that it means followers mm. or TV or they're in it for those reasons. Whereas what I think that Carissa is there for, to be honest, was to make a connection. It's a really good point. It's a different situation. Yeah. I'm treating this like, you're, you're right, actually. In a, in a lot of my reasoning, I'm treating this like uh, like any other season, and it really isn't. Um, it's making history. It's the first time that they've done this. So that can't be right. Um, I don't believe you. Uh, anyway, speaking of Instagram followers, just because we like to check this off when people go home, Carissa gained just 240 new followers this week which really surprised me. Um, I would have expected maybe a few more people would sort of flock over and try and see what's going on with her. Um, I think yeah. it is partly just like because she doesn't have control of her account yet. Well, it's because she doesn't have control of the account or the edit and because the mm. exit was so like, I don't know, low stakes. Like yeah. you said, like there's no dramatic smash the glass, do whatever, get out of there. It's more like, hey, sorry, this isn't for me. Got to go. And yeah, the way and the in show fact, presented that was quite honest. Yeah, but I also I also feel like in the promos and social media marketing and stuff leading up to this episode, there was a lot of chat about like this bombshell is going to rock yeah, the mansion true. and stuff. And like I get why they do that obviously. I'm not naive, but when it comes to 
blowing up something that ends up to be this small, like that ends up yeah. to be a, a pretty small, quiet moment. Um, you can understand why that doesn't necessarily motivate people to like rush to their phone and find out the next right, story. Exactly. Stage no of the one story. needs to necessarily know what happens with Carissa because she sort of said, this isn't right for me. See you later. And I think as we as fans and viewers of the show were supposed to be like, okay, cool. Well, good luck. Yeah. Anyway, Brooke rejoins the group and tells them, I've just put Carissa in a car and she's going home. She's told me that she can't fall in love in this environment. So yeah, I'm a little bit upset by it. So there's a lot to process there. And um, I'm going to call it tonight. If you guys can just accept that before leaving the group and the episode behind her. Thanks, Brooke. Thanks, Brooke. And then we, of course, jump out of the indoor pool and... (laughs) Why have we committed to this? I look, no, continue. I'd like to like to hear where you take this. And then we dive deep. I'm cutting straight to the end. Crushed we dive it. deep. Well done. Well done. Best course of action. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Uh Australia season seven, episode six. We open on the portion of Prince Alfred Park, which was renamed Equality Green after thirty thousand people celebrated the result of the controversial a.k.a. completely fucking stupid marriage equality postal survey in 2017. Oh, yeah, the Popa gang. <laughs> Pardon? Prince oh, uh, pa- Papo, P- P- Prince Albert Park, equality green. The Popa gang. Popa gang, thank you. Mm-hmm. Not the Papeg, the Popa gang. What, what does he eat for breakfast in the in the Vatican? Uh, Pope Benedict. Oh, that's really good. Is that something? That's way better. It feels that like it's something. So good. That's so much better. I wouldn't argue continue. it's so that's, good. Look, we love we love Catholicism here yeah, on the BOH sure pod. Do. We sure do. We watch as Brooke strolls along the rainbow road that runs through the path until Wario. We lift up our hearts. We lift up our hearts to the Lord. Oh, sorry, what are you saying? I had another joke. Damn it. <laughs> We watch as Brooke strolls along the rainbow road that runs through the path until Wario hits her with a green shell and goes flying off the edge of the track. Also good. Also really good. Thank you for that. Uh, Brooke ITMs that she has picked a very special someone for a very special date today. And moments later, we learn it will be Jamie Lee. Yay. I really liked the start of this episode where they are going to Equality Green and talking about queer history and walking along the rainbow road and talking about the plebiscite because i didn't realize that with this season they're actually making history ah did you realize that good yeah, i did it's not very I subtle. no idea we should text nat tenchich and just make sure that she knows as well she deserves to know yeah absolutely right. yeah um anyway speaking of making history they don't stick around at equality green for too long they head straight for the sydney tower eye the tallest building in sydney which I am begrudgingly not calling Centerpoint Tower, even though that's absolutely what it is. Um, next thing you know, they're up at the top overlooking the city. They're wearing those hilarious blue Skywalk jumpsuits. Then they bump into Osher Ginsburg, who explains that today they will be attempting to break the Guinness World Record for the world's longest on-screen kiss in I'm an unscripted TV show. What's happening here? You're right to ask. This record was previously set in 2015, maybe? Yes. By... 16? At least, because we were doing the pod. Were we? This oh, was... No, we, we weren't. weren't. This was Sam Wood and Nina Rolston. I think we just talked about it. 
I think did I did I just like message you about this pre-podcast? I don't know. Highly possible. Uh Bachelor Sam Wood and Nina Rolleston set this record on top of the Sydney Harbour Bridge wearing slightly different hideous blue jumpsuits. Uh they set the record at four minutes and ten seconds. So Brooke and Jamie Lee have to beat that. And the way that they get away with it in producing this television show from a production perspective, you know, is by putting the kiss in a little box in the lower left-hand corner of the screen while the rest of the episode continues to play out. This was nice. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, Not to be undone, Max, today Mm. on the podcast, we are going to attempt the world's longest podcast kiss. Oh, great. So I want you to mix my audio to the left. Just yep. like they did. I'll be in the bottom left-hand corner. Okay. And uh, you have to keep doing the podcast. Take okay, it, Max. Great. Okay, great. So here's what's going to happen. Here on the BOH pub, we've seen a lot of things over the years. And one of my favorite things that we've ever seen was the day between Sam Wood and Nina Rolleston in 2015. That we definitely covered here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. I love you. Were they? <laughs> Set the world's record for the longest on-screen kiss. And what's exciting about this podcast here is that we have some guy, much as they did on this season of The Bachelorette, to officiate from the Guinness Book of World Records for the world's longest on-screen kiss in a podcast. Now, who is this kiss taking place between, you might ask? Well, that's Xavier RN and a little man. Oh, no, I interrupted it. <laughs> is that long enough for the record, though? I feel like that's probably enough for the ride. I, I think that's think probably it. I don't know if anyone's well, bothered to submit the record. So, uh, like, yeah, I, I think I overheard you saying there's this guy from Guinness who's just like fucking taking a taking a look. You know him, yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's peeping. Um, he's keeping a very close eye on things. He's peeping. Sure. And keeping. He's peeping. He's keeping. Uh, he's taking notes at one point. Which I feel like he's just like, oh, I gotta try that later. He's like. Girl, also, girl. Girl plus girl equals question mark. Yeah. Great. Uh, And then Osher Ginsberg is doing his absolute best to ruin the moment by yelling at them. You're not just breaking your world record here, ladies. You're making Australian TV history. You're not just doing this for yourselves. You're doing this for all the people watching who might feel out of place, might feel marginalized. In 1978, the first Mardi Gras happened right below us in High Park. And now look at what you're doing. I threw the first brick at Stonewall. I'm I'm Josh Ginsburg. Like, did you like it? I thought it was pretty silly. It was definitely silly, but I was so here for it. Sure. Yes. Like, Uh, if we are here to loudly announce ourselves as people who are making history... Then Which let's fucking go? Is it is it debatable that we need to? Maybe you know, look, sure, but like, let's go and let's yeah. really make a big scene of it. And I think that this was um, given the appropriate amount of of reverie. Okay, yeah, I mean, sure. Yeah, Wait, uh, is it reverie or revelry? It could be both. Could be either. There's a cynical part of me that's like. This is uh, oh, the other one. It's revel revelry. Is revel is reverie a daydream? A state of being pleasantly lost in one's thought. Oh no, yeah, that is that's not what I that's mean. Revelry. For. Yeah. There's a cynical part of me that's just like, oh, we're doing like a corporate sponsored date on the commercial TV show, that kind of thing. But I'm just like, yes, okay, all this stuff needs to gradually trickle down into the mainstream via whatever means it 
May, whatever, well, you know? Look, yeah, I suppose I look at this from the perspective of you do what you can with the tools that you have. And yeah. for me, at the very least, this is a big kudos to Channel 10 and to whoever is behind the scenes pulling these strings, pulling these strings to be like, do you know what? A and Z are going to get behind this mm. and uh, pure blonde beer are going to get behind this and it is going to be a huge moment in Australian television history and mm. here's why we're going to say that it is and we're going to make sure that our corporate sponsors are on board with that and they're extremely necessary in order to fund the show. Mm. It's what needs to happen in order for the show to get on the air. And yeah. that for me is just like, cool, okay, we are doing everything that we have to to fulfill our relationship, or to fill to fulfill the obligation of our relationship with our sponsors, yeah, and we're also doing some subversive shit on TV at the same time, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, and by in... subversive, I mean <laughs> it should be should be fucking normal. Yeah. Um, in ITM, Jamie Lee says you can't get any more intimate. Well, I mean you can, which is funny, but I also feel like is that the closest anyone has come to make like to making any kind of actual sexual reference in year like it is pretty rare that they will do something that horny even though it's not season of a man suggesting that he would like to strap on the feed bag but that was a while ago you're right it was a while ago it like i'm, I'm thinking yeah and i feel like abby chatfield was outspoken about sexuality in a way that scared off whether it's production whether it's people who come on this show um to to even more so kind of chasten this uh experience this yeah, tv show you know, know what i mean like i feel like it's really dependent on who the people that they cast are and who mm. the 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 lead is in that series and abby was and matt had such chemistry that it mm. was just like this is is convulsing out of the television you know and that she was as open about it as she was is what made for such good tv in yeah. the last season i just you know like Maybe Bella knows that her audience is a little bit different. As much as they were as she was presented as like the like, she's hot. She knows about how to turn on the the Bachelor. Like, mm. there's a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, the audiences are different, and yeah. I think that this is Abby knowing her audience, Bella knowing hers, and this is mm. the first time in years that we've really been able to lean back in to this idea of Jamie Lee being someone like. Do you know what? Here's what I'm about. Yeah. And it's positive and it's easy and it's fine. Yeah. I just think it's 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 cool that she uh is doing this, particularly in a season where she's already there are already a lot of like boundaries being broken down yeah, or whatever. Totally. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um yeah, it's great. No, uh I mean, yeah, I've no negative feedback or anything. Me neither. Uh I wonder also if this line just jumped out to me because I just started watching Love Island Australia which oh. is a show that is obsessed with actually engaging with sex and also, in, you know, it's, I mean, I'll talk more about Love Island Australia another time because I think it's fascinating. I think it has been a blind spot for me and it will inform the way that we talk about this show. Fun. Uh, Brooke ITMs, we are setting a whole example that love is love, whether it's with a man or a woman or non-binary. I have to hope this was a Frankenbite. You're allowed to it say a non-binary like person. Um, anyway, uh, they, they break the record. They keep going for another 50 seconds. They break it off at a clean five minutes. I tweeted about this, but I was pretty surprised that they stopped. I feel like if I was given the opportunity of like guaranteed screen time that they have to use so that the record is oh, eligible, smart. I would literally commandeer as much of the rest of the episode as possible. 
But also maybe that's why I have not been approached to come on this TV show. Cut to a batchy couch. Jamie Lee and Brooke sit under a blanket and sip cocktails. Brooke tells Jamie Lee she has one last surprise for her and adds, you've got to pucker up before handing her a framed certificate for their world record. <laughs> this was cute. This was cute. Why Why did they make the certificate at this point? Oh, well, because if you get a Guinness world record, they send you a certificate. It's like No, I understand, but they haven't achieved the record. What do you mean? Well, the record is achieved by the broadcast, right? It is the longest on-screen oh. kiss. So this is fake. That can't be a real record unless oh, they're just doing it with your on faith. Glass, aren't you? Oh, buddy! So I, <laughs> I'm forgetting that I wrote these notes a couple of days ago. I'm forgetting that I did this out of interest. I looked up the Guinness World Record for longest kiss that wasn't broadcast on TV because mm. I'm like, look, maybe nobody's done it for five minutes before. How the fuck should I know? Do you want to have a guess? Four hours. The world record for longest kiss is 58 hours. That's fucked. Isn't that crazy? That's so... Who did that? A couple of people in India. Put it away. Put it away. <laughs> do you think if you root during the kiss, does it cancel it out? I don't know. Or if you can do it without... Because they must have pooped. There's a lot of stuff that must have happened in that time. Yeah, what goes on there? Do you have... Are you sitting on toilets as you're doing it? <laughs> How do you maneuver that? And like, what about this? Because Two you'd have toilets to facing for towards yeah. each other. Yeah. With like a slight angle, like a slight incline. Like so a, you can a, the, get um, lip you know, touching. Like at the urinal, you pull the, the cord <laughs> for the flush. Like that's yeah. what they would have to have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Props to that couple of people. They fucking earned it. Good on them. Makes Brooke and Jamie Lee look like shit, to be honest. I know, I know. Oh, you did it on the TV? Shit that they must have done in India. Look, if there was a if there was a TV channel in India that that like heard about this ahead of time, there is no doubt in my mind that they would have filmed the whole thing. Absolutely, put it in a little box in the corner. Don't, like, uh -huh. let's not be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But the, oh, the accolades. Anyway, they would one time get talked about briefly on a Bachelor podcast in Australia. Thirteenth best. <laughs> Wait, thirteenth most listened to. Fourteenth. Fourteenth probably. Best. <laughs> Film and TV podcast in the country, though. It's not all right. Specifically no, within that right. subcategory, the TV and film, not overall. Not overall. We got it. No, no, no. We got much fewer listeners uh, than, than overall. But yeah. we, you know, we try. We, we, we try our we very try. best. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we continue. Possibly 13th longest. Um, anyway, Brooke gives Jamie Lee a rose and they kiss again on the batchy couch as Brooke ITMs, she's got me in all of my feelings. It is nice to see them kiss like normal after they've just been doing this pretty weird, super long kiss. Um, and Jamie Lee ITMs, I knew that coming into this experience, there would be a chance that Brooke may have only just seen me as a friend and that was it. And she wouldn't have been open to more. Mm. But today for me has just confirmed that it was absolutely worth the three years. And we are now exactly where I hoped we'd be. Yes, babes. Love it. Love Jamie Lee and Brooke. Uh, don't think, Jamie Lee wins, but I, I'm enjoying it. Me neither, but I really like it so far. Yeah. It is the first group date where everybody is invited, which is good because it is at the mansion. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> would be awkward if you had to just like wait in your room <laughs> while they shoot in the garden all sucked, day. Wouldn't it? 
just like staring out at them with a through the blinds or whatever. We start with a double flashback as Brooke explains that Carissa leaving has brought back the insecurities that she felt on The Bachelor with Nick Cummins. Oh, we did not need to see this. <laughs> it's like, remember, she was on The Bachelor. And then to snap us out of this flashback and bring us back to the clarity of the present, nine pristine tings oh, ring out across the garden. Quite a tingy season, this one. Heralding the advent of Osher Ginsburg. You're totally right. This season is rich with tings. This brings the total for this season up to 43 tings in only six episodes. Oof. What's the TPE on that? Big tings, big tings. 43 divided by six. Seven point. Like it's one, a 7.16 six repeating TPE. That's... Did I get that off the top of my head? <laughs> you that did. Rules. Yeah, that was very good. I get the impression, and I'm reading into the tings here, that Osha... with myself. Continue, had, sorry. I get the impression that Osha is feeling a renewed sense of energy this season and a new mm. lease on life. He's out of lockdown. I'm not sure if you realize, but they're actually making history on this season, mm-hmm. which is probably a big deal. And so he is wielding his power with immense pride. I love it. I love it. I love it. This is why we're taking notes of the Tings. Nothing has ever mattered more. Team Ting. Asha tells the Gathered Garden guests that they will be meeting someone that Brooke really trusts, who will offer her some perspective to help her make her choice. Asha says that this person can't be here in person, so the group will meet them one by one by video link. Jamie Lee is up first. She heads into a special room. She sits down and a TV screen turns on, revealing the ominous painted face of Billy the Puppet as a chilling voice says, I want to play a game. No, of course, it's not the sore puppet. Max is smiling politely. As if I know what... Yep, okay, mm-hmm. good, from the from the Saw Halloween franchise. episode, I guess. Uh, One through Saw... He was in Saw 2. That's true. It's not Billy the Puppet from Saw. It's, of course, the Bachelor's reigning comic book villain, Steve Van Apparen, the human lie detector. Okay, Steve Van Apparen theme song, take one. Murders, he salt them and crimes them too. He's a polygraph with a pulse. No longer a cop, but crime don't stop. He solves crimes of love and he gets results. When your facial expressions reveal microaggressions and you need someone you can trust. Did you blink the wrong way? Did you think the wrong say? Yeah, who's gonna separate love from lust? When enough is enough, you dial Steve Van Apparen. Human lie detector. It's pretty good. Steve the human lie detector, of course, presided over an iconic group date in Nick Cummins' season, for which Brooke and Jamie Lee were both obviously present. And was then invited back to face off against Kieran Stott on Bachelor in Paradise. I love that the narrative has been constructed that this is someone Brooke really trusts and, quote, an old friend. This is beautiful. Like, I can't believe the extent that they went to mislead the contestants. And also just like that we knew what was coming as consumers because it had been in all of the advertisements that Steve was coming. Right. Oh, I was so ready for Steve. 
but on some level, I'm like willing to believe it. Like, you know, <laughs> may, you know, I I like the implication that she has kept in touch with all of the background characters from her season. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But as I think you you touched upon in that wonderful theme song, uh, this man was a cop for 15 years, mm. then pivoted to doing keynote speeches for businesses and CEOs and shit, oh. and popping up on any TV show that asked him. His brand is so incredibly strong that he has been going by the name Human Lie Detector since at least 2009. That rules. Good on Isn't him. Isn't that fucking cool? That's Did you really know cool. Stephen Apron is mentioned by name on the Wikipedia page for Polygraph, i.e. a lie detector. That's fucked. <laughs> How fucking cool is that? That's so cool. Uh, That's sick. <laughs> I mean, look, anyone can edit a Wikipedia page, but still. Yeah, listeners, look, you should go to the Wikipedia page for uh, Picton in New South Wales and see if you can spot the edit that I made two years ago. I've been to Picton. What's... Have you? Yeah, what's going on in Picton? You joined the Picton Photography Club before? No. But I, you don't know I'm... about the Picton Picton? <laughs> I have a few guesses about what might happen in it. <laughs> they meet every other Saturday mm-hmm. to share photos of the local area. Did you hear about that guy who brought his dick in Picton's <laughs> and showed them all? He got kicked in out. Good, 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 good. Mm. Yeah, well, look, he couldn't help it. He was addicted. <laughs> anyway, as if Steve, the lie detector's shtickton, wasn't <laughs> pseudoscientific enough. Mm, mm. It is so funny to see him by video link. Like, are we? Are you? Are you sure? Are you? There's no way that whatever it is that he does is getting done here. You know, right? right exactly. But he certainly conveys a lot of gravitas, and he tells Jamie Lee. So you know, my job is to get right down to the bottom of everything, and then we'll get right down to the bottom of everything, oh and then my we'll God. see it. We'll see it. We'll see it. We'll see it. Oh my! <laughs> that joke was su- funny in that's my head. Such and a good I, gag. Oh, well it. You need to know that he did say that at one point, and also you need to execute it better than I just did. Uh, no, I got shot. It was really good. We see Steve, the human lie detector, start to interview everyone as he ITMs. What I look for in body language when someone's telling the truth is frontal alignment, good eye contact, not a lot of response latency, ums and ahs, but a sincere response to a question. One Do you know, thing, Xavier, where I experience a lot of response latency. Where's that? Over fucking Zoom. (laughs) Yeah. I also think it's really funny when he says, one thing I look for if I'm trying to figure out if someone's telling the truth is if they give me a sincere response to a question. (laughs) Oh, really? Steve. (laughs) This man solved murders. Yeah. I also, I mean, just like on a somewhat more serious note about what's going on with Steve Van Apparent, like... God help this man is if he is ever forced to encounter somebody on the spectrum or with a disability <laughs> of any kind or an illness or a neurological condition or whatever. Yes, yes. Like the whole fucking system just crumbles into dust when you bring those things into the question. Steve, the human lie detector, asks Conrad, do you think that Brooke can trust you? And Conrad says... Brooke can trust me 110,000 million percent. When I'm with a partner and I'm in love with that person, all I think about is that person. Now... This is obviously a lie. It's a clear lie. Conrad obviously thinks about things like what to have for dinner and what piercing he wants to get next and whether or not to answer Xavier RN's DMs. 
awkward. But yep. Steve, the human lie detector, doesn't pull him up on it. He doesn't care about that. Something incredible happens when Steve, the human lie detector, faces off against Kurt. And this is Kurt, a man who, bless his heart, does not give off a lot of signs of basically anything at all, right? I adore, I adore this conversation between Steve, who is looking so hard for something, and Kurt, who is giving nothing. Just doesn't have, you know, Kurt is this bastion of purity. We're talking about it before. He's a, he's a personification of, you know, elements in balance. You would think that he would be impossible for Steve, the human lie detector to read. But Steve, the human lie detector, didn't just come here to detect lies. He was brought back to the show to wreak emotional havoc. Mm. He is a villain. Like, he is the purest force of evil in the Bachelor of Megaverse. And I think that having this pure force of good pitted against this pure force of evil (laughs) is so interesting. And the pure force of evil is wielding the ultimate weapon, the right reasons. Like, this is an (laughs) ultimate showdown, right? Steve, the human lie detector, asks Kurt if there's anyone in the group that may not have genuine feelings or intentions. He says, I want you to be honest. (laughs) Kurt says, you know, I think I'm a pretty honest guy. I feel like I'm here for the right reasons. So if I'm asked by human lie detector, I'm going to tell him the open and honest truth. And then Kurt, you know, when pressed, tells him that Ryan, who has been on the show this whole time, but hasn't mm. spent a lot of time with Brooke or we've not heard much in about, front of about a camera or with a microphone or any of that. Uh, Ryan's been spending a lot of time with Jamie Lee. So, quote, questions have been raised about the relationship. Crucially, Steve asks Kurt whether Jamie Lee is aware of Ryan's feelings towards her. And Kurt says, in my perspective, no, I don't think so. I think Jamie Lee maybe thinks that they are just good friends. We love Kurt. We love Kurt. And then Steve asks him to wildly speculate. (laughs) Just flat out. He says, what's your gut feeling? Because as you know, gut feel is part of our fight or flight response. I don't know. I mean... (laughs) Yeah, I guess. I, Is look, that it's, a justification? It's, it's the fucking amygdala, Steve. <laughs> we have also evolved beyond that point to have right, right. more complex thoughts and you know not strip context out of pieces of information that we got. I just, I just don't think that Kurt's panic sensor mm. is tinging at the idea that Jamie <laughs> Lee and this man called Ryan, who, by the way, I met someone who knows Ryan. I was like, what's he like? They were like, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> is he like just normal? As he is on the show. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, wait, where did I go with that? Um, the idea that I actually completely have forgotten what I was saying. Um, okay. Forgive me. You, can you just go on with it anyway? Yeah. Anyway, Kurt reiterates that there is a chance that Ryan is interested in Jamie Lee. So Jamie Lee asks Kurt after he comes out of the zoom call uh whether he mentioned any names during his time with steve the human lie detector and kurt says i haven't got a good poker face have i and i'm like you actually probably do my dude yeah <laughs> not, you don't give a lot away um but he goes yeah look i struggled talking about other people talking bad things about other people but i think you kind of have to because you want to be here over a person who you think potentially isn't here for the right reasons. Mm. So, you know, I just said that there may have been some body language to suggest that Ryan is into you. Jamie Lee is shocked, telling him, I have done nothing but be friendly. 
I don't know how else to say or to prove that I'm here for Brooke and nothing else. That's totally fine and absolutely perfect. As far yeah. as Kurt is concerned, that is also the truth. Yeah, exactly. I don't blame either of them for anything at this nope. point. Ryan gets interviewed by Steve next. Um, he's probably quietly stoked to be getting what I imagine is like the first shot he is in without another person. Mm-hmm. Uh, his voice is deeper than I imagined it would be. I'm like, oh, okay. Hi, Ryan. Oh, you got a lot there. Hmm. Uh, Ryan tries to tries to maintain that he is here for the right reasons, although in the edit, they've made it seem like he can't put a sentence together. Yeah. And this became very evident to me on rewatch that it is uh, pretty manipulated here. It, it, it would also just be so easy and so tempting to fake. They are like stretching out the pauses in post. They're tossing in, this is my theory, like moments from when he sat down before Steve joined the Zoom call. So, like, he's just sitting in the chair and he's kind of, like, yeah. looking off to one side, being like, oh, oh look, what's... you get your 10 seconds of, like, we're just going to get the camera angle right. We just want to make sure that the lighting's right, whatever it is. Right. We can just pop that in if we need it. Exactly. Steve asks how Ryan gets along with Jamie Lee, and we see Ryan say, well, we're a lot alike in a lot of ways, but it's hard to tell. But, like, he could have said that about Brooke, and they right. just cut that yeah, in. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. all of this could... You know, I mean, there's no there's no reason to believe any of this happened. Um, but, you know, Steve Van Apparen, he is just here for it. Like, he is such a hack, I think. But, you know, he is just putty. Like, he he has been in this game for so long. I don't mean How necessarily that he's a hack. But, but uh, uh, no, look, you would not be described on your official website as so good they call him the human lie detector <laughs> by Sanjay Gupta, MD of CNN. <laughs> If you weren't the human lie detector. <laughs> Someone from A Current Affair. You would not be described by Tom Steinfurt from A Current Affair as Steve Van Apparen is known as the lie guy, and as I discovered, he's pretty good at it. If you were not super qualified to do your job, you would not be described by Kit Hoover, co-host Access Hollywood Live, as watch what you say, he can smell a liar, if he could not smell a liar his olfactory glands <laughs> might as well be new factory glands that's how good he is tell us what fucking carrie ann Kennelly said about him <laughs> she's right there cac says he is trained with the lapd fbi and u.s secret service fascinating conversation <laughs> did you listen to anything he said beyond the fucking first sentence nope nope nope, nope. It's time for Steve to present his findings to Brooke. And by Steve, I should make it clear that I'm talking about Stephen Van Apparen, the human lie guy. Okay, uh, Steve the human lie detector, uh, jingle take one. Steve the human lie detector, Steve the human lie detector, Steve the human lie detector, human lie detector. Name Steve! He's the world's most human lie detector. He's a lie-detecting guy whose name is Steve. Uh, I feel like a fair bit could be gained by Stephen Van Apparen, the human lie detector, talking to Brooke and, you know, figuring out what's going on with her or whatever, but we're not uh-huh. ready to have that fucking conversation. Oh, that no, is no, not no. happening here. Steve highlights a few people who he thinks are very genuine. He says, I, I really like Conrad. I really like Holly. I like Millie, David, and Jamie Lee. And I'm like, is that our final five? Maybe it is. I'm a bit surprised that Millie's in there. 
I don't know. I feel like there's something to come there. Yeah. Look, not that I don't think that she's genuine. I just don't think that the editor's been that interested in her yet. That's true. Anyway, Steve tells Brooke that Ryan may have not had your interests at heart and sort of deviated away. And it's obvious to me that Ryan may like Jamie Lee. Brooke seems distraught. She ITMs, let's be honest, Ryan and I were probably never going to run off into the sunset together. Love this. Love that. But then she's like, but hearing it involves Jamie Lee, one of my strongest connections, hits hard. That sucks. Yeah. It, I, it goes on to suck more, I guess. Yeah. Um, Steve, in a rare moment of mercy, says, I think it's very one-sided. I think Jamie Lee is into you. It's obvious to me that she likes you and she has feelings for you. No doubt about that. And then in a very, very Frankenbitten line of dialogue, we hear Steve say, I want you to go in and ask Jamie Lee the direct questions. (laughs) Because I always say, I want the information from the horse's mouth. (laughs) That could have been from any of the seasons that he has been on. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. When he says, I want the information from the horse's mouth, that's probably something he said to everybody as soon as they started talking. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooke ITMs, even though Steve says it's totally one-sided, I can't help but have my guard up. We were just having this incredible day together, and now I just don't know. I've done this experience twice over, and both times I was left uncertain, no closure, and heartbreak, uh, heart- broken-hearted. Hmm. Hmm. And then what happens at the cocktail party is Brooke comes out guns blazing, fully loaded with suspicions about Ryan, but also about Jamie Lee. Yeah. And it's pretty unclear at what point her focus moved from getting the truth to getting the truth from Jamie Lee. Yeah. That Frankenbitten prompt from Steve didn't really convince me, but Brooke ITMing about how she's been hurt in this process before wasn't very convincing either. Jamie Lee's visibly anxious as she waits for Brooke to arrive. And when she does, Jamie Lee's the first port of call. Yeah, look, uh, I think that it sucks that Jamie Lee has to explain herself about humoring some boring man. Yes. Um, that at least as far as we are concerned as the audience, she has only been friendly to. Mm. But I will say that we also don't know the context that Brooke and Jamie Lee have had outside the show and what they are bringing to it outside of the the letter from True. the runway in the first episode. Mm. The mm. runway. <laughs> is this project run run yeah it's drag race yeah uh jamie lee lays it out directly there is absolutely nothing there just like i'm friends with everyone here in the house i'm also friends with ryan mm. and brooke says i took you on a single date and i felt really good about it but now i'm like why wouldn't you tell me about this and jamie lee's like what that i'm friends with ryan i didn't know that it was even a conversation Yeah, I'm friends with him. I'm also friends with Holly, but that doesn't get questioned. She apologizes to Brooke that she has to deal with this and urges urges her, I am here for you, Brooke. Like, I wouldn't have stopped my life. I am here for you, and it sucks now that I have this on my name. I think that line, that she is friends with Holly too, but that doesn't get questioned, speaks volumes about this situation. I think that there is a tendency, maybe even subconsciously, to assume that bisexual people are 
just attracted to everyone, that they're more promiscuous than other people or that they just can't be friends with people because nobody is safe from their advances or whatever. Maybe even maybe even just like homosexual people or like anyone. Sure, sure. And look, to a certain extent, we've made jokes about both sides of our, out of both sides of our face for this on the pod, you know, even last sure. week. I also think that there is an inherent bias due to like generations of internalized homophobia to assume that a relationship between a man and a woman is somehow more real than one between yeah, two yeah. women. Yeah. Um, maybe it's also just sexism. Um, yeah. So we have to take whatever this thing is between Ryan and Jamie Lee really seriously because it threatens her relationship with Brooke, but we don't have to worry about Holly because she's a woman. I just, there's so much here in that sentence. That's, it's rich text, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the extent to which I, but, you know, hand up a straight, engaged 30 year old dude read into that. You know, like, I, I don't know that I saw it as, as, um, as deeply or as, or as layered, but mm. I also, you know, fucking here for here where you're coming well, max from, quinn this is my job my friend yeah yeah right? yeah yeah no i hear you i hear you i just kind of like I, I remember looking at it and being like that's a great point yeah but then you know the more that you unpack it and the more that we um the more possible i suppose it is to put more context into mm. what is being said you know yeah and i guarantee that people listening to this will be like oh but also it means this and they're yeah, also exactly. right you know? yes yes uh anyway that's basically it for the cocktail party we go to the rose ceremony Jamie Lee has a rose from her date, meaning she's safe, but also we're probably going to see more of this shit next week. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, And of the remaining 11, two people have to be sent home. So the roses go out in this order. Millie, Holly, Conrad, Luca, Will, Tej, Steve, Kurt, and David. So it's a big farewell to new Jessica, who will forever be remembered for also being named Jess. Bye, Jess. And also for being as far as we know or can remember, the first out lesbian to appear on the show. Um, Monumental Jess. Yeah. Uh, as, as well as the first to uh, use the word lesbian at all. So history made. Love it. Unfortunately, that's basically all we know her for. Uh, Jessica DeBono gained another 205 followers this week, despite receiving about as close to zero screen time as anybody has ever gotten on this show, mm-hmm. bringing her total since entering the show to 350. Joining her on the discard pile is Ryan Carmichael, who was unable to escape the tendrils of drama, which ensnared him in this episode. Don't you hate it when you get caught up in the tendrils of drama? <laughs> it's what worst, Kurt was saying. One of the worst things to be ensnared that. in. While he was standing on the bleachers waiting for a rose in this episode, he was like, did I accidentally get myself in some drama? Oh, oh, am I ensnared in the tendrils of drama again? <laughs> uh, Ryan is uh, maybe the first person to actually be given the opportunity to speak upon exit. Um, he says in VO, it wasn't yeah, what's meant to be. that? <laughs> I don't know. I know. Of all the people, get no. Who cares what right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, he goes. It wasn't meant to be. I can accept that. I met some amazing people, so I haven't left empty-handed. In his backseat interview, I think this is why, because they want to do this. Right. A producer asks him whether he thinks he could still be friends with Jamie Lee on the outside. To oh. which he says, "It's hard to answer that." <laughs> Glad we kept that in the edit. Jesus, that like blood from a stone. Hmm. Mm. 
Ryan could only scrape together 40 followers this week, the lowest of anybody still in play. Good fucking Lord. And like fewer followers in the previous week, like in the last seven days, than Ritu and Beck and Emily, who all were not in the show last week. Oh like, goodness. do you know? So the person who said, who who I met, who knows Ryan, when I said, what do you like? And she said, what do you reckon? Hmm. She followed up by saying, he sounds like the sort of dude who might want Instagram followers. Oh, well, Ryan's total gain since he entered the game was just 342 followers. Mission accomplished, bro. You did it. After Ryan's exit, we see a somewhat more candid moment of Brooke and her suitors where she tells them, I wanted to say things at the start of the rose ceremony, but honestly, I didn't have the words. Honestly, tonight was a total mindfuck. I don't want to have to do that again. I feel like I'm questioning a lot of things. Uh-oh. That's it. Babes, oh. is, is this your paranoia? What's going on here? Is this Bachelor Paranoia? Bachelor in Paranoia? Oh, good. <laughs> Might be the episode title. There maybe. it is. You know, I knew we would find it along the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Next time on The Bachelorette, the teaser suggests a Mardi Gras group date, um, which I feel like could be really good or really bad. Hard to tell. Uh, everybody gets very dressed up in very gay ways. We hear, <laughs> sounds weird saying it. Uh, we hear Holly talking about the importance of straight male allies. Mm. Thank God someone is speaking up for the straight males. Uh, I mean, sure. Yes, whatever. I'm being reductive. <laughs> um, we see a float being pushed around an oval with signage on it saying, love is love and Brooks breaking it down. Did you know they're actually making history with this? <laughs> and then Jamie Lee has a very serious conversation with Brooke while wearing an extremely ridiculous pink wig, which should be pretty fun. And interestingly, I want to point this out, due to a broadcast of the FIFA World Cup Asian Qualifiers match in which the Socceroos are playing against Saudi Arabia. Great. Thank I you. read the TV guide. There will only be one episode of The Bachelorette on TV next week. No Thursday night episode. What are we going to do? Does this mean our podcast is going to be really short and succinct? Probably not. Buddy, <laughs> you are in the wrong place. This week on Instagram, brought to you by the fine folks at Meta. Uh, we have seen another week of growth for our lead, Brooke Blurton. However, it does seem to be slowing to a bit of a trickle. This week, she packed on another 2,929 followers, compared with the previous week's 5,843. She has now gained 26,750 new followers this season, edging ever closer to 300k. I have a feeling she will get there. I thought it might be next week, but now there's only one app, so I'm not sure. I don't know. I feel like they'll advertise The Bachelor a lot in that time slot. You, yeah, you could be right. You could be right. Uh, just beneath Brooke this week was Conrad Bien Stevens, who takes the top spot for the third week in a row, this time with 2,170 new followers Good to his you, name. Conrad Bien Stevens? I thought this was very interesting because he been barely... Night. Been night. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Oh, it's... Yeah, okay. Uh, I found this interesting because he barely registered in the episodes this week. True, true. You know, like I can only imagine it's like word of mouth. Maybe yeah. it implies like people are still diving back into the first few episodes in the hopes of catching up before the finale. Yeah, yeah definitely. There could be also be some Spawn Conrad being Stevens happening. <laughs> could well be. In second place behind Conrad is the high-flying, ground-fighting gladiator or El Desperado, depending on who you ask. <laughs> Luca Domenico Fraraccio. Did Kurt give him the nickname El Desperado? Well, he, he, yeah, he referred to him as that, yeah. I love it. I love it. 
Uh, Luca, who will no doubt be sucking for three days upon hearing that he only got second place right, in followers right, this right. week, rounding out the top three, is five-minute kissing, right reasons insisting, human lie detector approval getting Jamie Lee days, who is not exactly setting a world record, but still sitting pretty with 672 new followers this week. At the moment, our overall gain total top three is Conrad, untouchable so far at the top of the charts, and now sitting on 8,346 new followers, followed by Jamie Lee, who's racked up 3,249 in total, and then David, whose relatively small bump of 409 this week still keeps him ahead of the rest with 2,414. Also, and no one cares, this week we've also seen our first drop in followers. Week 1 pest Bo has lost six followers since last week, bringing his total gains down to 243, the lowest total of anybody this season. Bro, I'm sorry to see it. That sucks. Get fucked, just, It's just, it's it's so sad to see the men lose one. Yeah, I know. I know. know? Mm. Maxie! Well, Xavier, that does bring us to the end of another episode of the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. If you want to join us, the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group is the place where you can do it. We are so excited to have you back next week. At Max Quinn is where you can find me. At Xavier RN is where you can find them. At BOH Pod is where we are everywhere where you are. Until next week, listeners, just want to say a quick shout out to the Xavier. We love you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.